felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there lies your destiny, and that I'd been running far too long, and wow. I was actually on my way to a bar that night with friends, and the Holy Spirit just brought conviction to my life, and, and that night I, I hit the floor, uh, my tile bathroom floor there in my home, and uh, got things right with God, got touched by the Holy Spirit, and and started serving God right where I was. I kept my corporate job, and um, but I started preaching in prisons and rehabs, and helping the homeless and loving people. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Charisma Connection. Today I have with me Dr. Ronnie Phillips Jr. and he is the lead pastor of Abba's House. For those of you who don't know me, I'm your host today, Jenny Rose Spouto, and I'm excited for this podcast because Dr. Ronnie Phillips has a very unique and powerful anointing in his position as lead pastor of Abba's House. He and his wife have ministered in very deep ways to people who are hurting and broken, and their ministry has just done so much good. So, Pastor, do you want to say hello to our guest today? Greetings, everyone. So glad to be on here. So honored. Love what the Charisma family does for people around the world. So we're excited. Amen. And today we have a very, very interesting topic of discussion, and that is your new conference coming up called Fresh Oil, New Wine. So before we jump into that, though, could you just tell us a little bit about your background in particular and and maybe how you became lead pastor at Abba's House? Wow, that was such a long road for me, to be honest. I was called by the Lord to preach at eight years old, but uh, my father, uh, who was in ministry, came to our church in 1979 in the midst of controversy. The pastor before him uh, was accused of murdering his wife, so my father walked into a church split in 79. I was born a year later, and then 10 years later, the worship and student pastor that he inherited was found out to be a pedophile dating back 20 years. So my father, who's written many warfare books and uh, published with charisma, really as a Baptist had no choice but to dive into spiritual warfare and the Mm. things of the spirit. But as a child, I was growing up during those developmental stages in the midst of a lot of church drama and hatefulness. Mm. And so I became very bitter at the church. I loved my father, but I really hated the church and church people. I don't have time to tell you my entire testimony, but I'll tell you a little bit of it. I got away from the Lord and got into drugs and alcohol in my teens, and I buried one of my best friends at 19. Changed my life, and uh, I was in a corporate job in insurance. I was married very young, and at age 23, I was driving by Abba's house, and it was being built, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there lies your destiny, and that I'd been running far too long. And I was actually on my way to a bar that night with friends, and the Holy Spirit just brought conviction to my life. And and that night, I I hit the floor, uh, my tile bathroom floor there in my home, and uh, got things right with God, got touched by the Holy Spirit, and and started serving God right where I was. I kept my corporate job, and um, but I started preaching in prisons and rehabs, and helping the homeless and loving people. And uh, then God uh, opened up a door for me two years, three years into that, just doing outreach and preaching and ministering to people. 
to pastor a church in the inner city of Atlanta with about 120 people, uh, no staff, and it was kind of a weekend church, as we call it, and uh, I did that for a year, and it matured me uh, in ways that even seminary, getting all the degrees, um, even even doing those things, it didn't mature me like pastoring that little church in the inner city we, that fed the homeless and right. uh, welcomed the drug addict and, and all of those things, so... That happened, and um, shortly after that, my father had heart problems and had open-heart uh, surgery, and oh, wow. uh, I had, I came back to help my dad as an associate, and uh, shortly after I came back, my father would have a quadruple bypass. He had the Widowmaker and would be out of commission for six months, and wow. the church got to see me lead out of his house uh, without him being there because we took his phone and we wouldn't <laughs> let him uh, be the pastor for six months. And As everyone it should kind have. Of, That's huge. Yeah. And he lost weight and got his health right, and he's still mm-hmm. here. Thank God he, he's my hero. But uh, the church got to see me lead um, at uh, 29 years old without mm-hmm. him. And that was mm-hmm. important because they, even though I had – corporate experience and a pastor out of town and all of those things. It was uh, in seminary and since then graduated, it was important for them to see me lead outside of his shadow. And uh, God really moved. We saw miracles and people saved during that season. And at that point, um, the leadership of our church said and voted that I would be the successor to my father mm-hmm. over a, a, a number of years. And so Every year that went by after that, we, I took on more responsibility. My father took on less, and so we uh, we made that official in 17. They voted, the church voted uh, to support our elders and our council that I would be the leader. And so I'm in year two uh, as the lead servant, I call myself, and uh, we're trying to make some changes, some positive changes to reach this next generation. We obviously celebrate our history and our great legacy of being Baptist, but also embracing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and uh, embracing signs and wonders. So we, we are thankful for our great heritage, but uh, we've also kind of renewed our passion for reaching people. We feed the homeless every week. We love people. Um, our church is growing, um, and it's becoming a multicultural church, a kingdom church, which makes me very happy. And, uh, man, I'm just so honored because it, it honestly is a dream come true. Um, I, I, I thought I'd failed and that uh, right. I'd lost favor with God and man in my early 20s and that you would have told me maybe 22 years of age that I would be lead pastor now and doing what God has called me to do and, and preaching and traveling the world, I would have told you you were crazy. But uh, but for the grace of God and right. all things work together for the good, for those calls according to his purpose. So that is the very quick version of, of how I got <laughs> to be lead pastor. And uh, if I, I should have just said grace because yeah. that's, that's yeah. the answer. It's for the grace of God. Oh, that's such a powerful testimony. I wish that you could just share every detail because it's just so exciting <laughs> to hear what God is has done in your life, you know? So while you're, yeah, while your dad was still lead pastor of Abba's house, he started the Fresh Oil New Wine Conference, right? That was what, 22 years ago? It was. He started Fresh Oil New Wine, yeah, yeah 22 years ago. He sure did. 
So how has the conference kind of changed and evolved since then? And what are you what are you kind of expecting this year? Well, it started, honestly, as a conference for burnout Baptist preachers. Wow. And we are still a Baptist church, but uh, in the 90s, the statistics were that 50 or 60% of Southern Baptist pastors had been touched or filled with the Holy Spirit, but were but had to keep it hidden. Maybe they had a private prayer language. They mm-hmm. believed in the gifts of the Spirit, but because of the denomination's view on on the spiritual gifts, they had to kind of hide that belief. And so many of them were suicidal or quitting the ministry. They still are. And so my father had this dream that he would have this conference called Fresh Oil and New Wine for burnout Baptist pastors to come and get away from the normal denominational routine and and hear some preachers maybe from other denominations the sense of god church of god non-denominational and really go deeper in the things of the spirit and man it was uh it's been a powerful conference for 22 years i mean charles karen josh jensen franklin so many powerful uh perry stone's been a number of times men mm-hmm. and women of god that came that the baptists had never heard of but they got filled with the spirit but it did change, uh, like you said. You know, that was that was the draw for probably the first twelve years. The last ten years, it's really transformed into more of a family, a a, oh, wow. a, a family of pastors in our city and pastors and staffs that travel around the world to come and just be in that atmosphere. It, it has turned into more of a kingdom uh, conference where people that are burnt out from all denominations come. We have Assembly of God pastors come. We have Church of God pastors come, right. probably more than Baptists. We still have Baptist pastors that come, and we have a number of non-denominational pastors that come, and really pastors uh, that are in small rural areas. I, I just left Harrisonburg, Virginia, and preached for three days for one of our pastors uh, in our network. And, and uh, you know, these pastors... Many of them are bivocational, or if, if they are full-time, they maybe have one part-time staff person. Mm-hmm. And, man, they need refreshing. And so they'll they'll come to our cost-effective conference and get to hear mighty men and women of God. Like, you know, this year we've got Jensen Franklin coming, who's one of my mentors. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, heroes. And Powerful Jensen teacher. is, uh, yeah, and just his humility is the greatest thing about him. Yeah. He's a great family man. He's humble. I spent time in his home, my wife and I, for our anniversary, and he just pours into young wow. pastors, and he's he's humble, and uh, you know he's one of the most humble people that, that I've ever met. And uh, of course, my father is still one of the greatest expository preachers, verse mm. by verse preachers That's in awesome. the country. So they're going to get to hear him and myself, uh, and then also uh, Bishop Dale Bronner, who I've admired for. Uh, a decade when I pastored that church in Atlanta, when they called me, I only had about five messages. I know that sounds funny. Uh, they were good messages, but it, I only had about five. Mm. And so I would get up at five in the morning in Chattanooga and drive uh, to uh, Atlanta. And when I would drive to Atlanta, I would just be praying, God, let this let this message come out right. Let 
uh, God move in a powerful way. And when I would cross into the Georgia border, I would hear Bishop Bronner on the radio, (laughs) Dale Bronner from Atlanta. And it was amazing um, that, you know, Bishop Bronner would be preaching some Sundays on what I was preaching on. And I would be, I know this is illegal, but I would have one hand on the steering wheel and the other writing things that I heard from Bishop Dale Bronner. Oh, my goodness. So he, so, so having him in Albert's house uh, is just a dream come true. He's, he's going to be there for a couple of days, and, and we've got uh, a number of churches in the city coming to sing with our choir. It's really also a unity thing for our city. Our city's, like many other cities, are divided racially and politically and we're trying to break that spirit off Chattanooga mm-hmm. and and embrace the kingdom. So I know I'm talking too much, but I'm excited about this year. I think we're going to have a powerful time. No, yeah, that's awesome. And actually, you kind of brought up my next point, which is about unity. And, you know, you're, seeing, you're, you're describing that there's just so much more unity among denominations than, I don't know, we've seen in the past. I, I'm relatively young, but I know, I know that when the you know, back when I was really young and my parents, my dad's a pastor, you know, when they were just starting out, there was still a lot of, you know, division among denominations. And, well, I disagree with you and on this and on that. But do you think that there's hope that we could ever, you know, come back together again as a nation, as a as an American church? What does the Bible have to say about that? And why is unity so important in this day and age? Well, the Bible says, you know, oh, brother, how good and pleasant it is for, for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Mm-hmm. And it also says, you know, in Matthew 18, uh, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. And, and the word agreement is the Greek word symphonia. Mm-hmm. We get our word symphony from yeah. it. And if Jesus Christ is the conductor and we all are in the right position that God has placed us in, and we're operating in our gifting under the authority of the conductor that a beautiful sound is released into heaven. And when we talk about unity, it's really about right position, being in alignment with God, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and just believing that Jesus is who he says he is. He'll do what he said he would do. And just walking together arm in arm with our brothers and sisters, I am blessed because of the legacy of my father to preach in multiple denominations. I'm leaving a Pentecostal church, uh, an IPHC church uh, today, and I am a Southern Baptist. I preach at Church of God churches, Baptist churches, IPHC, uh, and I'm preaching in my first Presbyterian church this year in Colorado. So Mm -hmm. I've never been to Colorado, and I've never preached at a Presbyterian church. (laughs) Um but I just believe that the kingdom of God is bigger than our differences. Yes. Uh, of course, we don't want to compromise on the basics of the faith, the right. virgin birth, the, you know, the Trinity, the atoning blood of Jesus, those kinds of things. But, you know, we don't need to be arguing over semantics uh, right. when when we need to be modeling this unity so that the political world can see the church and go, man, I wish we could attain that kind of unity. We really need to be an example to our political leaders of how to walk together in unity even when we disagree. And, uh, you know, the church is just divide, is just as divided as the political world, yeah. but it's changing because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to celebrate those changes and love one another and reach people for Jesus Christ. And I believe there's a generation rising 
that's going to, to reach people, and they're going to put aside all these petty differences and do kingdom things. And uh, I'm a part of that. You're a part of that. I'm mm-hmm. excited about it, and I, I believe we're going to see a great move of God uh, really in the next two years that's, that's going to bring heaven to earth, which is what kingdom theology is all about. And so I'm excited about it, and I believe, you know, this fresh old new wine, fully alive conference is important uh, for our region um, in regards to kingdom. And uh, it's also the last fresh oil new wine. Uh, mm-hmm. it, we will still have a conference at the same time, but it'll be called Fully Alive, which is kind of the theme of my ministry. So gotcha. uh, many people have been to at least one or two of these conferences, and this is kind of the swan song. So we want people to come and there's breakout sessions during the day as well. Um, uh, our target is pastors with churches under 200. We're going to have a we have a great media ministry that's going to be doing breakout sessions. Our student ministry is going to be talking about how to reach this next generation for Christ. My father and I are doing a breakout session on homiletics, mm-hmm. how to preach through the Bible verse by verse, and uh, there are a number of other breakout sessions. My kids' pastors is a beast. He's one of the best in the country. I hope nobody steals him from me. Uh, he's going to be uh, teaching, uh, you know, how to have an effective and safe children's ministry with all the abuse going on all over the country. Right. You know, safety should be number one oh, as we sure. minister to kids. Yes. And so we just have a, a number of just tremendous breakout sessions during the day. We have morning services, evening services. We break for lunch, and then we have breakout sessions. Uh, and having pastored a church under 200, I know that when I was pastoring a church that size, uh, something like this would have been very helpful for me. And I hope that pastors will come to this, sign up, register. Uh, it's also cost effective for them. I mean, most of these pastors can't afford uh, to go stay in a, in a hotel four days and spend, you know, six or seven hundred dollars on a conference in a big city, you know, they can come to this conference um, and uh, they can come to the services for free. And if they want to attend the breakout sessions, it's just $29. Oh, that's you get awesome. This, you get the sermons, you get a t-shirt, I mean, you get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. And so really it's a seed. This conference is a seed for us to sow into ministries around the world. And uh, God's doing something in these smaller churches in the woods of Virginia and Georgia and South Carolina uh, that people aren't aware of. Uh, and uh, we, we need to help one another. And just because someone's, you know, pastor in a small church, that doesn't mean they don't have an anointing. I've heard right. some of the greatest preachers in the world uh, in the sticks that nobody's ever heard of. So, yeah. uh, so that's what this conference is about, is bringing the denominations together, bringing heaven to earth and, and just being, you know, a blessing to these small churches that are really doing doing big things in their community. I'll tell you another story. You know, I preached in West Virginia, and and this church is small, maybe 120 people uh, compared to a church like Abba's house. But this pastor teaches. He has a K through 12 school. He teaches the school. He drives the bus, and he's the principal, and oh he's the goodness. pastor. Oh wow! And and I'm telling you, but he's taking the whole city there in West Virginia for Jesus Christ. He's not well known. But he's really doing the work of an evangelist. He's loving kids. He's loving families. He's feeding the hungry. There's so many pastors out there that don't get the credit they deserve 
right. that are doing just a great work. And that's what this conference is about, just to be a blessing to people like that. Right. And, you know, you bring up such good points. I actually I want to touch on something you said a couple minutes ago, and that was that America needs to see the unity in the church. And that's what you're you're wanting through this conference. And you're so right. I, I feel like right now, as a country, we are more polarized than ever before, you know, politically, religiously, blah, blah, blah. People are just so angry and they're speaking out about their anger. And, and a lot of times it's not in a very godly way. And, you know, it's funny because millennials and young people are just getting so turned off from that. They hate the 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 anger and the division. And, you know, I can't help but wonder if that's one of the reasons a lot of them have been kind of leaving churches, you know, in droves and and just kind of leaving that void. But and I think that's why a lot of pastors, they're just scratching their heads saying, how do we reach this generation? How do we reach millennials? So I want to hear your thoughts on that. How does the church approach reaching millennials? And how can we as the body of Christ reach this generation who maybe they don't have a foundation of of biblical values? Well, I've been studying and reading and praying and fasting to figure out how do we reach this millennial generation. And one of my friends, uh, Pastor Tabner Smith, he pastors Venue Church. Pastor uh, Tabner was telling me one day, I, I, I asked him a question about how to reach people. And he said, you know what? He said, I have people say, how are you reaching all these millennials? And Tabner said, First thing you need to do is stop calling them millennials. Oh, that's <laughs> I was like, awesome. okay, well, I was like, well, that's true. He said they're not millennials; they're just people. Yep. And he said they want to be treated like people. And so that kind of rebuked me and brought me into alignment. Um, but uh, you know, here here are my thoughts on how to reach them mm-hmm. and and how to be an example to the political world. Uh, we've got to go above and beyond in the area of race. And in the area of service, uh, Jesus said the greatest of us will be servants. And we've got to we've got to show the world that we are doing more than preaching and singing, that we're feeding the hungry, that we're helping the poor, that we're loving the underdog, that we're restoring people who have sinned, that we're not throwing them out of the church, uh, and that we're being transparent and real. I believe this millennial generation wants real. They want the authentic. They don't care about denominational divides. And they don't care about your doctrinal differences. They want a move of God. They want something that's real with Jesus. And I believe if we offer that which is real, we will draw them into our churches. And I believe that's what we have to do uh, in this day and age is just get real uh, with our own struggles. I believe they want to hear their pastor say, hey, I struggle too. Hey, my wife and I got in an argument this week. It didn't go well, but here's what God showed me through that. I I don't think these millennials want to be preached at. I think they want to be talked to, and I think they want to be walked with. And I think we've got to be able to do those things uh, if we're going to reach them. And it is a difficult time in ministry all over the country. People don't put a value on church anymore. You know, people aren't doing uh, what God's called them to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, athletics are more important. Uh, everything's more important than attending the local church. And that's got to change. But also the church needs to be a place where, you know, you can have some fresh water and fresh bread that 
God can do something, and uh, they they want real, and yeah. so that's what we've got we've got to offer them. And also, you know, I tell you something I did. Um, one of uh, the pastors in my city, he pastors uh, mostly African American church. His name is Bishop Kevin Adams. He's been a mentor in my life since I was 14 years old. He's a phenomenal pastor. He's got a large ministry, just like we do in town. He uh, leans a little to the left, and I'm I'm a conservative. I, I lean to the right. I've right. been to the White House during this administration, and he was at the White House during the previous administration. Uh, but we love each other. We love Jesus. We agree on uh, the things of the faith. And so we had an idea that we were going to switch pulpits one Sunday morning. Oh, wow. And so that's what we did. We didn't tell our churches. We just said we have a surprise for you. His church showed up the week before Thanksgiving, and I was preaching, and my church showed up, and he was preaching. And we didn't get political. We preached the Bible. We had people saved. We laid hands on people. But we did that, and it shook the city of Chattanooga because, to my knowledge, nothing like that had ever been done on a Sunday morning before. And uh, the power of God moved in a powerful way. But we wanted to come together and and stand together and say we love each other. We may not agree politically, but we love each other. We love Jesus. We preach the Bible. We agree that this gang problem needs to go away. This drug problem needs to go away. And we want to stand for righteousness together. And it really shook our city. So I think we've got to show the political world that we love each other. Right. You know, there's that mm-hmm. song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And I, and the Bible says love never fails. And, you know, denominations will fail. You know, theological differences will fail, but love never fails. And so uh, I believe we're in a place in our nation and in this world where we've really got to live that. We've got to love our neighbors as ourselves, and we've got to love Jesus. And I believe if we'll do those things, we'll see revival like never before. Right. Amen. That's so good. So I just have one more question for you. If you had to summarize in just a small nugget, what is the main thing that you believe people who attend this conference are going to walk away with afterward? I believe that renewal revival and refreshing is what people will experience if they're a burnout ministry leader they're going to be renewed they're going to be refreshed if they're a burnout christian they're going to be Mm -hmm. refreshed revived filled with the holy spirit if they're a religious person that's lived in a box their entire life a denominational box they're going to have their eyes open their mind open to the things of god to the kingdom of God. They're going to hear people they've never heard before. They're going to see all different kinds of denominations worshiping together, coming together. They're going to hear fresh revelation, and they're going to go deeper with God. And that's what we want for our city and for the people traveling all over the country. We want them to take this opportunity to grow with God, to go deeper with God. Because sometimes, and I'm a pastor, you know, we get in our ritualistic routine of just going to church. And we miss the kingdom. We miss the deeper things of God. And that's why, you know, the staff of Abbas House, the people of Abbas House, we're all in for the kingdom. We, we, this is a, 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 this is hard work for us. It's an investment, but we believe that God's going to send us a harvest of people who need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. 
and we're excited. Our, our mission is for people to live free and fully alive. We're a house of grace, and we want people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and learn how to walk in freedom, and that's what this conference will be about. That's so great. And so for those of you listening, just once again, the conference, as Pastor Ronnie said, is free for the morning and evening services. And then it's just twenty nine dollars to attend the breakout sessions. And Pastor Ronnie, do you have a website that people can go to to learn more information? Absolutely. It's abbashouse.com. Uh, and you can find everything you want to know about that on abbashouse.com or fonw.com. You could Google Fresh Oil New Wine 2019 and it'll pull up. And uh, also my personal uh, website is ronniephillips.org. So one of those four will take you right to uh, the conference lineup, show you how to register. We even have an Abbas House app that you can go to. You search in the app store, Abbas House, A-B-B-A-S House, and they can uh, register right there on the app. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm just going to take a guess right now that there are people today listening to this podcast who are burned out. Maybe they're pastors. Maybe, you know, you're just Christians. But someone, many people probably listening today, you're burned out. You need refreshment. You need a fresh touch from the Lord. And you need him to come through in your life somehow. So, you know, Pastor Ronnie, could you just close us today with praying for those people listening who are just burned out and need a fresh touch from the Lord? Absolutely. I I would be honored to. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every person that will listen to this podcast, that will hear the words that we've spoken today. Lord, we pray that they would be filled with your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would be saved by your grace. Lord, that they wouldn't be religious, that they would have an authentic relationship with you. Lord, revive their soul again. Lord, do what you did to Martin Luther King Jr. that time. Lord, when he was ready to quit, you revived his soul to the degree, Lord, that he would quote that ancient hymn. And he would say, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. Father God, I pray that would be the cry of the hearts of the people listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray they would quote Psalm 91. They'd read Psalm 92. Lord, and your fresh oil would be poured out over their life. Lord, that they would receive the new covenant of your grace, the new wine. Lord, they would learn that it's not about how good they are. It's always been about how good you are. And, Lord, they would walk in the freedom that's theirs in Christ. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for this opportunity we have in this season to touch the kingdom. We bless you, Father. We thank you for charisma and all that they do to reach people for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and just sharing your heart. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Of course. And and to all of you listening today, thank you for tuning in. I hope that Pastor Ronnie's prayer and what he said today really encouraged you. And, you know, if you if you felt inspired or encouraged by today's podcast, I just want to encourage you to go on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or whatever medium you use to listen to your podcast and go ahead and rate and review the Charisma Connection podcast. When when you do that, you support us and help us to share the gospel of Jesus with more people. So we encourage you to do that and be sure to tune in next time to the Charisma Connection.
This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. Music